Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, the Flying V edition, where we talk to incredible people who are creating impact and ripples on the pond. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and the founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that is what makes them awesome. Today, my guest is Patrick Lowe. Patrick is the CEO of Canaan Shipping and is based out of Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. Patrick immigrated from Hong Kong at a very young age, and his parents came to Canada as they saw it as the land of promise. Patrick went to medical school and got his physiology degree and was set out to help to find a cure for cancer. When his father took ill, he immediately stepped up to run Canaan. Although he had no idea what a P&L was or how to read a balance sheet, he set out to get his MBA. Patrick is authentic, consistent, disciplined, compassionate, and is fueled by passion and with a true desire to help others. Thank you, Patrick, for everything you do to better the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Lowe. All right, so Patrick Lowe from k you're all the way out in British Columbia, Canada. Yes. And and you are you were the winner right of the better you know to be a guest on the Better the Pond podcast with uh, we got to give a shout out to uh, to uh, Stephen Joyce uh, and Tech Canada that's where we met and uh, since uh, since you you know you you basically gave the biggest input you had the biggest ahas you contributed the most therefore you're the guy we want to talk to on the podcast and and talk about uh, you Canaan and get you out in the world stage to find out what you're all about. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I was always a studious student in school, so I always try my best in a classroom setting, Warren. So uh, thank you. <laughs> and, it, and, look at, and it paid off after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Patrick, I really, again, want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And before we jump into all the questions, uh, can you tell me and tell my, my, uh, my audience uh, about uh, a little bit of Canaan and, and what you do? Sure. So Canaan is a uh, supply chain logistics company started uh, by my father uh, 40 years ago. Um, our mission is really to look at delivering seamless, uh, efficient, customized end-to-end transport. Mm. Um, that is, of course, uh, something that we strive for. And, and of course, during COVID, you could remember that that was a, a real big part in terms of delivering products, uh, not just PPE stuff, but also, uh, you know, chips and semiconductors and all the other things that were stuck. And so that's our business, what we have been doing in the last 40 years. It's interesting you say this. Um, now, you know, we, you know, through COVID, we, we saw all the, uh, the supply chain issues. And, and how did that affect you uh, and your company when, you know, that all sort of everything kind of went up in the air? Well, actually, we, we did quite well. I think it really spoke to the relationships that we've built because, you know, I think you could probably agree that in every um, uh, challenge or in every uh, um, uh, difficulty, there lies an opportunity. 
And so for us, really, the opportunity was really to exercise what we built uh, for so many years in terms of the relationships, the partners we've had, and also the ability to, to adapt uh, in an ever-changing world. Um, and partly because we've had those um, relationships that we can leverage and access and, and uh, bring some of those products into the country. Uh, we have access to 75 countries through our partners that we've built wow. um, through these years. And so, you know, whether it's in um, uh, Morocco or whether it's in China or, you know, other parts, that, that's where we shine um, in terms of our, our uh, company. One thing you said that was really important, and it's something when I look back on and sort of reflect on with, you know, during during COVID is, you know, there was, you know, the, I think I found that the really successful, the, the, the successful entrepreneurs were the are the ones who always find opportunity mm. in, in chaos or find opportunity when, you know, when things are turning south. Yes. And, you know, and obviously that's what what you did as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that. Um, it really speaks really not just about you know myself or the company but i think it's it's a theme that uh love to talk a little bit more about which is the team mm. and without the team uh really nothing could 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 uh, uh could be done and so i think that also speaks to uh, you know the the people that i work with um uh, and and that of course can deliver that product yeah excellent and we're going to get to that so that's a that's a great segue so yes. All right. Um, so, Patrick, now this is going to be all about you. So I want to know what got you from being a gosling. Now, this is your very, very beginnings. Yes. Right? Where, where you started. I know that you were born at a very young age, but we want to find out <laughs> where, did, where did you start from uh, to leaving the nest? And when did you, when did you, you know, break out on, on your own um, to where you are today? So, Patrick Lowe, what is your backstory? So uh, I was thinking about this over the weekend because, you know, I had to sort of go through my uh, high school grad book and <laughs> think through some of those things. But um, I was born in Hong Kong, uh, came to Canada in 75 uh, as a uh, young, young little uh, gosling. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, studied here in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, my dream at the time was to go into medical school. So I went to UBC, uh, did a honors physiology degree, uh, and then in my third year, I got a scholarship to um, work at a hospital here called St. Paul's Hospital in the Pulmonary Research Cancer Laboratory. Did that for the summer, and I loved it because uh, I felt I was, again, uh, doing something that was quite entrepreneurial at the time figuring out if smoking had something to do with lung cancer. And so when I graduated from uh, UBC, uh, they offered me a full-time job and continue on working there for three more years, um, studying sarcomas and specifically, you know, what that effect on, on you know, lung cancer uh, as a result of smoking or adenoviruses or, you know, other external factors. So I did that for th three years. And so really had no inkling of what business was. In fact, I don't even know what profit and loss was at the time, because I, I thought that I would save the world by curing cancer. But ironically, my father 
uh, was diagnosed with cancer in um, the mid 90s. And because he had this uh, uh, shipping company, Keenan, um, and you know, in our Asian culture, being the oldest child, I was asked, can you please leave your job and come and help your father's business? And so, of course, I, I did that, um, knowing that my father was, uh, was not capable of continuing on the business. So I left the medical field and decided to um, pursue, uh, you know, uh, the, the logistics and supply chain, not knowing anything about what that was all about. Um, and so when I, uh, at that time, I, I had a girlfriend, which is now my wife. And so she studied uh, business at UBC. And so I would ask her, I said, you know, how, how do you, how do you figure out, you know, uh, the PNL and what is, what is a balance sheet? <laughs> and so after a few years, she said, you know, look, uh, you better get your own education because I can't sort of help you. I've got my own job. Um, so that's when I did my MBA uh, in 2000 at uh, Richard Ivey uh, in uh, Western Ontario, did that for two years and then came back and ran the company. And so that's basically what I've been doing for the last uh, 20 odd years in terms of at Keenan. Wow, that is a great that is a great backstory, and I want to I want to dig a little bit into it. Um, so when you came uh, over from Hong Kong, I would assume that was your your entire family. That's right. That's right. And so, how old were you in 1975? I'm not, not going to try to date you, but how how young were you? I was uh, uh, three four years old. Okay, so you're really young. So yeah. um, and then so coming over, obviously, uh, you know, a whole new culture and everything along with it. Um. And so I want to take you sort of into your, you know, sort of teenage years, because I, I always find this fascinating. Hmm. Um, what did you do for, for your first job? Well, my first job was working for my father at, at his office. And in fact, it's, it started off when I was probably in my elementary school years. Um, you know, as, as an immigrant, and I'm sure this is a common story for a lot of immigrants, um, you know, you, you really have to work, uh, you know, with, with what you have. And our family really didn't have a lot. And so the entire family, including myself, would, would pitch in and uh, go to the office, you know, clean, clean the office, you know, type some invoices on something called a typewriter at the time. <laughs> and so that, that was my first job and my second job and my third job and my fourth job. <laughs> Did that throughout high school, really. And, um, you know, we, we focused a lot during the 80s in the um, export of um, uh, lumber products, because during the time, if you would, well, maybe you, you might not know, but in British Columbia, uh, forestry is a big industry during the 80s and the 90s. And so we uh, aligned ourselves with a lot of Japanese firms <clears throat> and assisted them to ship lumber from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia to Japan. And so a lot of that was focused on that industry and so we we started to grow and i could remember myself uh, uh taking uh, pieces of two by four from a bundle package and started to you know do some physical labor as well and so um those were some some of my memories hmm. um you know and one thing that the listeners won't know but canaan actually is the hebrew its hebrew meaning is the land of promise right 
and um and so was you know was that based upon your dad's coming over from hong kong to canada and was that the basis of how that all started with canaan that the canada was the land of promise yeah i would say there was a few uh meanings to that definitely one was the fact that you know coming from hong kong to canada canada was really our 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 or my family's promised land and i've been so fortunate and really um lucky to be a Canadian, to be called Canadian and to work here as, as Canadian. And so really here, he wanted our children to remember that Canada was a promised land. So that was number one. And number two, uh, you know, with our Christian faith, knowing that um, uh, Canaan was a promised land, he, he wanted the children to remember that this was uh, a large part of our heritage, our, our Christian beliefs and our values. Excellent. That's fantastic. So you know, you know, I said you worked for your dad's office, you know, all through basically you know, elementary school, high school. So you're, there you are in that industry. And what was it that took you into medicine? What was, you know, that, that sounds like this. It's an interesting shift, you know, that your background was in, you know, with your dad's company and all of a sudden whoop, over into into medicine. Yeah, you know, I think a lot, a large part of it was that I at that time when I was in high school, I couldn't find a connection between what I did and how that impacted society. Mm. And so I felt that, you know, the only way to impact society or to help our, 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 our country was to be in that medical field, because that was a very apparent correlation. You go in a medical field, you're curing a disease that has an immediate impact on an individual life, as opposed to you doing business, okay, you are moving products. It, it, I, I couldn't see that correlation. And so I just thought, well, this is great, what our family did, but you know, I wanted to do something that was more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, sort of, if I can paraphrase that from what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you're, you're trying to find a, uh, a purpose. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think as every every teenager, I think that obviously resonates that all of us has this desire to want to do something great in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, as 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 I was, you know, um, you know, in high school, I wanted to do something that I was considering great uh, in society. Hmm. Um, that's yeah, that's fantastic. I, I I love that. Did you have um, growing up as a kid? Did you ever? What did you dream about being when you grew up? Um, I, I thought I would be a medical researcher or a doctor and going to Africa to help oh. uh, the people that are in need. Just, just because I felt that I had so many privileges, even as an immigrant, um, and Canada had given us so much. How could I help serve somebody else? And, uh, you know, of course, Africa at the time uh, had famine and had a lot of uh, uh, things that needed the North uh, North American help. And so that's what I thought, well, that's where I want to be. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so obviously, it must have been a rather huge learning curve. Um, and and I mean, I'm, I'd be interested to see if there's any disappointment of moving from, you know, impacting many lives in medicine, to then all of a sudden going into the business world and running canine. Yeah, I, I, I think it was definitely challenging in the beginning, Warren, because, you know, I, I did it out of obligation. Uh, mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, I was um, 
being challenged in terms of thinking, how, how is this going to help connect my sense of purpose of helping the world, uh, not just making money, uh, but helping people and changing people's lives? It, it was very much a disconnect. And you know, when, when you're 20 something year old, you feel that you want to conquer the world and help make the world a better place. And I really find, found it difficult at that time to find that connection until I started to, to talk with other people, other business leaders that challenge my thinking uh, in terms of um, everything that we do, you know, it doesn't have to be in medicine, um, really has a purpose and has something that can help another individual. Might, might not be directly, it could be indirectly, but it can help somebody else. And so that's really the beginning of the journey of um, continue to pursue business and, and see how it could improve other people's lives. Hmm. That's fantastic. You know, it's, it's very, you're obviously very compassionate. Um, that just, just totally comes out of, of how you really want to help others. That's very, very impressive. So um, how many, uh, how many siblings do you have? I have a younger, I have one sibling. I've got a younger brother. Um, his name is Perry and he's also in the business. Mm. Um, and he's based in Toronto. So I'm here in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. He's in Toronto, Ontario. Ah, I got two last questions before we move on. Okay. Is looking back, um, what, what do you feel is the greatest lesson that your father taught you? Well, I, I think I had the privilege of really apprenticing um, under him um, for at least five years. And I feel there, there were a few things that I've taken away from him. I would say the greatest lesson definitely is perseverance. Mm. And I know it's a cliche to talk about that, but I really believed and saw with my own eyes the fact that he, he never stopped knocking on the doors. Uh, he kept on continuing on and, you know, um, without having any network. And there's no LinkedIn back then. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's no social media. There was really just a yellow pages. And he kept on knocking on the door and, you know, trying to solicit business, uh, making cold calls, which is something that we often don't do now. Uh, mm -hmm. cold call. But I would say that was his number one um, uh, item that he taught me is perseverance. Never give up. Mm. Got it. And of course, the second thing I would say, it's probably hard work. Right. Yeah, that's strong work ethic. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and what was the number one uh, lesson that your mother taught you? Um, I, I would say what my mother, my mother and my, my, my father, they had different personalities, just like, you know, a lot of couples, mm. uh, she was always about, uh, analysis, oh. uh, staying, staying calm. Uh, my father was very much a, uh, go-getter, um, uh, very much a, um, showman, um, just an ability to connect with people. My mother was more the analytical side. And that's probably why I went into the medical field, just, just because she was more analytical. Um, both my parents didn't have uh, a university degree, so I was first gen. Mm. And so I think what I took from my mother really was her ability to, to you know, look through a problem and given her education, that was pretty amazing. Look through a problem, look through the return on investment <laughs> uh, uh, on, on time and on money. And so that was the lesson that I learned from her. Huh. So your, dad, your dad's drive for business and your mom's, you know, ability to figure it out. Exactly. exactly. You got the and you got the best of both worlds now. Yeah, I, I, I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try. All right. So 
Patrick, what's the what's the greatest thing that happened to you that ruffled your feathers? And that can be positive or negative. Um, and how did you respond to it? Well, let me talk about sort of the the uh, positive side first of all. I think the, the first thing that really uh, ruffled my feathers was the fact that you know you really need to hustle because you know in the medical field in in, in research you could in some sense take your time and, and figuring out and read through journals and all that stuff and you know things will come through but in business when you have uh payrolls when you have deadlines when you have customers expectations you really have to hustle and and so that was probably one of the first lessons for me and and figuring out that this is very different because you're not just uh it's not just about you anymore you've got you know, people that you are relying on you in terms of their livelihood, in terms of business. So that's number one, in terms of the positive side. I would say the negative side is that not everybody has the same values as you. Mm. And so, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, a handshake meant a lot. Mm. Well, not everybody shares that same value. And so I, I, I had a couple of business failures, I realized that you know what, people don't have the same values and you have to make sure you have contracts <laughs> <laughs> and you want to make sure you read through the contracts and hire the best lawyers so i would say that's probably the the, the negative side in terms of what i've learned yeah <laughs> that's uh, that yeah that's just so funny way you say that there's there's more meaning to that than you know so um <laughs> so uh but interesting you said you had a couple of business failures yes um did you see that as a positive or a negative well i think definitely at the time it was negative but you know as you reflect back i would say definitely has has been very positive because i think it gives me a chance to really reflect what i could have improved on for the next business opportunity and so one of the things i always remind myself is i will always make mistakes but the key thing is how do I learn from those mistakes, not to repeat them. Um, the other thing too is that you know never be shy to ask for advice. Mm -hmm. I think when you're in your twenties and thirties, again uh, you have this. Uh, at least I had this bravado thinking that I could do anything myself and not rely on other people. And you know, with one, two, three, four failures, you realize you know what I think it's probably more prudent to ask people for for advice and not to say that you have to take it all the time, but you know, you have to consult other people and um, take the time to make that decision. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things you said there. I mean, one, yeah, being the rugged individualist, um, you know, that just trying to do it all yourself is, you know, doesn't work, right? Yes. You, you know, you gotta figure that out. But you know, the thing is, there's people like your, you know, like yourself and myself, um, you know, we, we fail forward. Yes. And so, you know, the failure is really at the time, it's never a lot of fun. I've been mm -hmm. I've been through it, too. And but when you look back at it, it was some of the greatest it was the greatest learning that you ever had. Yes. So it's really I call it the gift in the ugly box. Yes, that's right. right. And it's just how you want to be able to see that. Well, I think I think entrepreneurs, um, you know, like us, we, we look for the shiny object mm -hmm. and it's easy to gravitate towards that uh, w without sometimes the due diligence 
But th those strengths of being able to see an opportunity it can sometimes be obviously a weakness just because you gravitate towards these shiny objects all the time. And so it's, it's better to, again, you know, have other people that you trust uh, do the due diligence for you or, um, you know, give you some advice that you can, can obviously uh, take and, and uh, go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads me, uh, man, you were that you were so you were so fantastic with segues. So, <laughs> so you know, as you know, when when I spoke to your tech group, you know, I said the geese fly seventy one percent further and faster when flying in the V formation. And what, Patrick, do you think is the secret to getting a team flying in the V formation? And before we and we we hopped on the call today, we were just we were talking about Formula One. Yeah. And uh, I said, there's you know, when something I didn't know was there's like five or 600 people behind the driver yeah. to make that team. And you had, you, that's one thing you mentioned, you said it was about the team. So what do you think the secret is, uh, Patrick? You know, I, I, I know that this has, this topic has been talked about for, for, from many people and so many times, but I really believe um, that having the team, having that single vision, is so important um and it sounds very cliche-ish and uh, you know i've read many books the good to great books and mm -hmm. and uh books like like that um talking about people being on the, on the same bus being going to the same direction but you you see this in sports whether it's formula one and you see this in business um when everybody is focusing on that same goal um i think that uh, group mentality can do amazing things. It doesn't mean that everybody's always having that same goal day in and day out. You know, just just like you know that geese metaphor, they're not flying a straight line. They might fly zigzag, but they're always flying in that V shape. And so I feel that you know when everybody's being reminded of why we're doing something and where we're going and for what purpose. I think it grounds us. I think human beings are are built that way in the sense that we live not just for the livelihood, but for for purpose. And so I I I find that if we all have that single mindedness, then I think the company or the organization can do great things. And what do you think the secret behind that is? I mean, you know, I mean, when I speak, I talk about when the geese flying in the V formation is, you know, one of the reasons I fly in that formation is everyone can see where they're going. So each right. geese can see where they're going. And, you know, and, and you know, we're going north is is not enough. Right. right. You got to be really clear on, on where, you know, what the, where, where are you planning on landing? Um, but what do you think the secret is then to getting that message out to, you know, so that everyone, that everyone understands it? I think it boils down to consistency and discipline mm. yes, because, you know, we're forgetful people. I mean, I'm forgetful. Um, and so when, when we don't remember why we're doing something, it's important that we have other people that come alongside and say, you know what, we're, we're flying that V shape. We're going North. Oh yeah. Right. Understand. Um, but it takes reminders. Uh, it takes consistency. It's not your once a year uh, strategic meeting and, you know, this is where we're going and then you forget about it until the following year. So 
I, I feel that a lot of times, including myself as, as an entrepreneur, we're traveling, we're busy, we've got clients, we've got so many different things that pull us apart. And so having that consistency and discipline is, is, is critical to, to help remind each other, including yourself. Yeah, including <laughs> that there's a key point. Yes. <laughs> including yourself. That's I mean, right. Because a lot of the so many things in leadership we're always doing for always doing for others, but you That's know, right. are we actually doing for ourselves? That's, That's right. a, that is a key point, uh, Patrick. I've never heard anybody say that. Hmm. So that's that, yeah, that that's just a little aha for me too. So, right. so well done. Um, so what are you doing right now, Patrick, to uh, to better the pond? So what ripples are you creating and and how are you inspiring others? So I, I would say a few things. I love listening to audiobooks. Mm. That's my thing. Like I go through an audiobook every single week at least. Wow. And I go through that because I just find that um, you know, when you're listening to stories of of leaders um in different industries you you get to have nuggets that you can take and share digest uh, and then of course impact other people so i love learning that's number one um number two is i love talking to different people in different industries not just in supply chain and logistics i love talking to people in you know real estate fashion you know like i I'm learning from my kids because, you know, Drake, of course, was in, in um, you know, was in Vancouver last week, the famous rapper. Now, I don't know anything about rapping, clearly, um, but, uh, but to understand how he's built an incredible brand, his business, to me, that's, that's amazing. And so learning that and seeing how I could take some nuggets from that, um, I would say the second thing, so learning, um, talking to other people. Uh, and then, then I think the third thing I would say is um, listening to your team um, because I don't have the answers. I'm not the smartest guy, um, but I'm, and I'm, I'm not also um, uh, on the ground all the time. And so, you know, the, the show that reminds me is that Undercover Boss. I don't know if you've ever seen that yep. show, Undercover Boss. I love that show because you know the guy that's on top he he has no clue what's happening right. you know in terms of um what his staff is going through so i i do find that that's important in terms of listening to your, to your team so those are the three things that i i would say perfect what uh on audiobooks what are you listening to right now you know i'm just listening i'm just finishing um listening to the autobiography of a guy named jerry um um What's his name? Uh, Jerry uh, Weindrup. He's the guy that is um, uh, that actually produced uh, Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Uh, and also the, the the movie The Karate Kid. Right. In the eighties, um, he was uh, a producer. He won several uh, uh, Emmys, uh, but he also I didn't realize he was also a um, a concert promoter for uh, Elvis Presley. Uh, for um, John Denver, uh, mm. for other people. So because he lived in the, you know, from the 60s onwards, it's very interesting to hear his story about, um, you know, how he got the deals and all that stuff. So that's a very, it's a fun book to read. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, I love, uh, I love audiobooks too, uh, especially when I'm flying or I'm driving. Yes. I mean, yeah. I get to, I get to learn, right, as I travel. And yeah. 
And uh, I'm just listening to uh, Creativity Inc. And it was okay. all going back to Pixar and and whatnot. And it's it's really, really fascinating. Some of the things that they did in their organization, just as something as simple as ch changing a table, you know, that they had the long boardroom table and yes. no one, no one could ever talk. They would just, you just talk to the person across from you. Like it was, and everybody had name tag, every name plates so that right. everyone by, by rank would sit in certain spots and yes. they, they got rid of it all. Right. And, and redesigned just how they were doing meetings and just yeah. little things like that. It was, you know, but again, it was all about the people. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so my last question for you, Patrick, is what's the one lesson that you've learned along your path that you would share with an entrepreneur starting today? Um, not to put a plug into tech, you know, but uh, <laughs> I really believe it's so important that an entrepreneur not walk alone. Um, I think sometimes there's this superhero mentality that we feel that we have to be but i just feel that entrepreneurs don't need to walk alone they 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 can have other people walk alongside them so tech for example which i've been a part of um, is a forum for ceos that meet once a month um, and different ceos in different industries talk about their challenges and issues and so i think that's important um finding other similar like-minded uh, as well that, um, that of course share that same passion, the same drive. But when I say like-minded, I don't mean like-minded in terms of similar personalities. In fact, I do find that it's easier, not easier. I, I find that it's better to have people that have different personalities to challenge, of course, your, your perception and your uh, preconceived notions of what something should or shouldn't be done. And so, uh, but the like-mindedness meaning more of people that want to learn from one another, that's important. Um, so that, that's sort of what I would suggest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I would so we, I mean, we, we do have to put a plug out for tech. Um, and I mean, you know, being a speaker for tech, but what I've, what I've witnessed along my travels, you know, is really that, that peer to peer, uh, relationships, but be able to, to actually sit and talk to people and and put it all out on the table and have so many voices around you. Again, like as you said, to change your perspective or change your thinking, or because we get in our patterns of how we do things, and it's so nice when somebody else with a totally different perspective comes in and throws it at you, and all of a sudden, I never even thought of it that way. Right? Yeah, and and of course, I, I was saying to you earlier before the podcast, I really enjoyed the time that you spoke to our tech group. And I still talk to my kids about the analogy with the V-shaped geese flying, and I still look up in the sky. And that brings back sort of that, uh, the idea again, that we're all flying in a V-shape together and, and need each other in terms of, um, you know, finding that uh, North Pole. Yeah, yeah, we, we need each other. There, yeah, there's another sure. key point right there. So I have one last question uh, that I have for you, Patrick, which I didn't uh, give you on the list. Okay. And uh, so we're going to put you on the spot, but I know you're going to, I know you're going to, I know you're going <laughs> to do so well. So <clears throat> Patrick, if you were standing on top of a mountain yeah. and the whole world was intently listening to you, what would you say? Um, I would say carpe diem. Mm. Live in the moment. Be present. Do you think that people 
generally speaking, do you think that people do? No. I think people are constantly being, dis being distracted by their electronic devices. Mm -hmm. um, and that's taking away from their time with their family. It's taking away time for themselves, for their own spiritual life, um, who they are as a person. And I find that people are, you know, and I'm not perfect, but people are drifting through life. Mm. And so I would say people need to be more mindful about who they are, why, what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, so that's, you know, something I would say. And if, if I can, if I may sort of shorten that up is um, for people having a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And not for, be distracted. Purpose for their business, uh, purpose for their own in individual life, for their families. Um, yeah, where they want to be. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So Patrick Lowe, I, I really want to thank you uh, for your time today. Thank you for your stories. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. And, and thank you for everything that you do to better the pond. I mean, you're obviously, you're, you're very compassionate. You're very caring. Uh, you're obviously very smart. Um, and, and you're a lifelong learner. And I, you know, going back to sort of listening about what your mom and dad taught you, I think, you know, the, the, the drive, the compassion, the, the resiliency, you know, your dedication, um, plus your be able to, your capacity to be able to just work through problems, just like your mom taught you has, you know, is your, you know, I look back at that and say, that's your contribution to the world and what you're doing to better the pond. Thank you so much, Warren. And thanks for having me on this podcast. You are very welcome. So if anyone wants to find you, Patrick, where do they go? What's your go-to? Uh, definitely I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you could find me also on our company website. Those are probably the two most common places. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes. And yeah. uh, so if anyone wants to find that, they can, they can track you down and have those conversations. So there you had it, folks. It was a great time with Patrick Lowe from Canaan out uh, in British Columbia, Canada. And this is Warren Berry, and I'm flocking off to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. <laughs>